Hopefully this is the last time you'll hear this ad. Because with Chime checking account features like fee-free overdraft up to $200 with SpotMe and getting paid up to two days early with direct deposit, you can probably treat yourself to an ad-free upgrade to spend more time listening to your favorite podcasts or at least grab yourself an extra morning latte this month. Join millions of Chime members who work on their financial progress with fee-free overdraft and no monthly fees. When you find new ways to save, you can reach your financial goals easier and still have the occasional treat. Take more control of your finances and say goodbye to monthly fees. Open your account in minutes at Chime.com goals 24. That's Chime.com goals 24. Chime. Feels like progress. Banking services and debit card provided by Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. Members FDIC. Spot me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. Terms and conditions apply. Go to Chime.com disclosures for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Financials Podcast, Future Rich. I'm your host, Barbara Ginty, and I'm also a CFP, which is a Certified Financial Planner. And I'm here with my guest today, Chloe. Hi, Chloe. Hi, how's it going? Good, how are you? I'm good. I'm excited to do this. I'm excited to have you because I think that, because I've talked to you a little bit beforehand, but you have a very unique um I don't want to say story, but you have a, <laughs> story is not the right word. Yes, a path. A different path than some yes. of our other um, podcasts. So I think it's really interesting to shine a light on maybe something that's a little bit less traditional. Yes, totally. I'm in. Maybe becoming more traditional though. I hope so. I'm hopeful about that. Okay. So why don't you tell our listeners how, about how old you are, where you live, how much you make, and give us a Give them some details. Yeah, totally. So I'm 37 years old and I live in Austin, Texas. Um, Austin is a great place because we still have – it's a good job market, but we still have like a fairly decent cost of living, at least for now, for the time being. (laughs) Um, And how much I make? Okay, this is a little complicated because um, when I was hired on for my job uh, about six months ago, I started out making 108. And then a couple months into it, my boss cut everyone's salary by about 20%. No. So, yes, it was awful. It was really what awful. What did they say to you? I can't even imagine. Like, how yeah, that, that conversation. Well, the thing that sucked about it is that I work for a startup. And so obviously working for startups is very un- unstable and unpredictable. But um, this particular startup had just kind of hired me on, and I don't think he'd really done a good calculation of his run rate. So hiring someone on and then almost immediately bumping them down 20% is like, why did you even bother to hire me? You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. It's a bit demoralizing. Exactly. And not only that, but obviously there's a big difference between uh, 108 and now I make around, I guess I'd make it around like 80K, which is a significant difference. And I'd already taken a pay cut to take this job because prior to taking this job, I'd been unemployed for seven months. So I kind of felt backed up against a wall. 
because I had gotten to this place where I had run out of my savings and I had dipped into my 401k and I really needed a job. So this job came along. Mm -hmm. They offered me less than I was making at my previous job. And I was like, well, let me just take this because I need the money. And then Mm -hmm. a few, I guess it was like a month or two later, I got the 20% pay cut. And his conversation was just very much like, well, you've worked for startups before. You know how this goes. And I was like, no, this has never happened to me before. Yeah, I feel like he was making, and I'm assuming it was a he, but he was making the assumption that it's like, well, this is the way it is. Sorry about that. Yes, yes, exactly. And you're correct. It was a he. But um, in my opinion, it's financial mismanagement. But um, And then they went ahead and had another round of layoffs. So I missed the round of layoffs, but I have been working on a reduced salary. And the idea is, which I've also never heard of this, maybe you have, but he wrote um, an addendum to our contracts, which basically said, as soon as we get a round of funding in, he's going to back pay us for all the money that you know we've missed over the past however many months since we had this reduction in salary. So hypothetically, if we get our round of funding, then I should get this really big paycheck that kind of covers the balance of everything I missed out on for the past six months. So no, I have not heard of that. Yeah. And it's one of those things too with startups where you're like, okay, but working for a startup is kind of like playing the lottery and <laughs> most of the time you're not going to win. So it's more likely that we'll run out of money before I ever see, you know, the balance of that money come paid back to me. But there is a small chance that we could get funding and then I'll get a check for, you know, that 20% over the last six months that I'm owed, which would be awesome. Yeah, that would be great if that happens. If it happens. And if it happens, I'm calling you because I'm (laughs) going to to hire you and get serious about what to do with that chunk of money. But um, in my opinion, it's fairly unlikely. Unlikely. Yeah, just because it's a startup that just has a high burn rate. Exactly. Listeners, that means the burn rate means burning cash, meaning using cash. So they're using it quickly because they're trying to build a business and bring in revenue and they haven't gotten to that point yet. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So that was a very long answer to your question, but I would <laughs> I would say in reality, I'm making 80K right now because of the reduction. So that's what, I'm, okay. yeah, that's what I'm realistically dealing with. And what, just curious, what industry is it? I know it's startup. Is it yeah, so or? I- I do. I work in tech. I'm not a developer. So I'm kind of more of like on the managerial side, I'm a product manager. So uh, Mm -hmm. we're not as highly paid as, you know, obviously developers are. But um, typically, just to give you kind of a sense, in Austin, my salary range would be somewhere between 130 and 150. So it's very painful for me to have to be. Yeah. Yeah, the past two years have been some of the most difficult of my life, my adult life for me financially. So it's definitely been like I'm I'm definitely outside of like what the norm is for my uh my job description. So tell me, so what was going on? So normally, um, well, I'm not sure where to start, but why don't you tell me? Why don't we start with what was going on the last couple of years? Um, yeah. And then we'll go through like the budget and all that jazz. Yes, totally. So um, I've always been very financially motivated and what I would consider to be like responsible. Like I tried to do all the things that people tell you to do. So about- All those adult things. Yes, yes. I had, you know, um, six months of emergency savings in an account and then I had, you know, a 401k and then I had, you know, I was investing in some- um, other things on the side, and I had no debt whatsoever. You know, I had paid off my car. Um, I was renting, and I also didn't have any credit card debt. So that's what was going on about two ish years ago. 
And then, yeah, it was awesome. And I felt really um, kind of safe and secure and I was good at saving and I just didn't really have a lot of um, expenses because I wasn't spending that much. So um, I was in a really good position. And at the time I was also making a 125 K. So it was a good space to be in. Yeah. So then, expenses. Yeah, totally. So then I unexpectedly got laid off and because the job market's so good here, I thought, um, no problem. I'll just get a new job. It'll probably take a month or two, but I'll be fine. And then I have no explanation for why, but I wound up unemployed for seven and a half months. And, um, so that meant the six month savings that I had was um, out the window. So that was completely yeah, it was gone. One, a little like one and a half months short of that. Yeah. So that six was totally gone. Is, is, like a, is the recommended amount for low expenses with no dependents. That is right. the right, that is a good number to have. Right. And I also, um, at that point, was still no job prospects. And there were a couple of other kind of like health related things that came up. And so I wound up having to not only use my credit cards, but also dip into my 401k. So it was like a bad situation all the way around. Unfortunately, I don't have any family that I can or a partner or someone like that that I can kind of turn to for like supplemental support. So it was a kind of dire situation. I did have to, you know, dip into those other resources. So, so the emergency fund ran out and used the credit card in the 401k. Yes. So it was it was bad news on my um, taxes this year, too, because, of course, you get taxed for pulling the money out of your 401k in addition to the fact that you're, you know, kind of, uh, I guess, you know, that's your future self you're kind of stealing from a little bit there. So, yeah, so you, I like that you use future self because the whole podcast. Is yeah. so <laughs> <laughs> I know. I was like, uh, I was like sorry, sorry, <laughs> retired. Um, uh, so anyway, I, you know, got to that point and then when I was at that point and I felt like it was pretty sort of desperate and I was also trying to kind of like do contract work and get some income coming in and that just wasn't really working either. So I was offered this job at a much lower, um, salary than I had been making before. And I just felt like I kind of had to take it and I was like, let me get this and get some income coming back in and then I'll figure out what to do next. Exactly. No, I think that was definitely the right move. At least, even though the job is less than you would normally get paid, especially <laughs> after that, when they came in and cut your pay. Yeah. Um, but it's better to then help you get right side up. And then they say this, but they say you know it's easier if you have a job, then you have less of that financial pressure when you then you can keep looking for something else if you wanted to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've heard that as well, and I think that's definitely true because obviously I took a job out of desperation and not it wasn't the job I would have chosen. So. I, I definitely feel that. And I've continued to look for a job since I've been employed over like the last six months um, and, you know, was offered a job, but I declined it because I felt like the working conditions weren't great. So it, it has given me that for sure, even though it's not an ideal situation. Um, but so my current financial situation is that, you know, mostly what I spend my time trying to do is like be present in the present and be, you know, grateful and focused on what I have instead of thinking about what I used to have. Cause that's gone. Mm-hmm. So right, yeah, that's, absolutely. That's past tense. Right. So that's been a bit of a challenge for me is to, instead of being like, Oh my God, I, I should be making between one thirty and one fifty, and I'm making 80. Like I can't think like that. I kind of have to focus on the fact that I am where I am and you know, that's where I am. So that's been yeah, absolutely, and you can always get back up to there. Right, this is, this is definitely better than where the low point was. No, you know that's a really good point, and um, I think 
you know, you probably deal with this a lot, but there's, I have so much um, emotional baggage around this idea of, but I quote unquote did all the right things. How did I wind up here? You know? Yeah. Life just likes to throw you those curveballs. I feel like my perspective on it is when you, when you get everything and it feels like it's great is almost like, okay, something might go wrong now. Yeah. <laughs> it's like Murphy's law or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Like, okay, we've got a yacht emergency fund. I have no debt, making good money. Yeah. Like I always get a little nervous then because it's like, okay, now what's going to happen? Yeah. Yeah. It definitely is a situation about like, you know, life kind of happens or whatever. But now mm-hmm. my current situation is that I'm, I am like, really making 80K rather than the 108. And in addition to that, I am carrying a very large credit card balance for me. It feels large to me. Um, And then I'm also trying to kind of replenish that savings that I had to completely go through because as you can imagine, the startup job is still not that stable. So I do have a fear of getting laid off again if this company runs out of money. So I'm also trying to to kind of replenish savings. As you said, you had some emotional baggage from being laid off. So the fact that you're in a startup where they already did cut salaries and did a layoff, I'm sure that's nerve wracking. It is so nerve wracking. And I also have a lot more anxiety about money than... It's interesting. I actually, and this is just from like the outside perspective, you'll look at money differently now having gone through that than you did prior. Yeah, that totally makes sense. (laughs) Just because when you go through something that's financially not to say that you didn't have financial stresses in your life prior, but that like is very stressful to be like, I'm running out of money. I don't have the income. I don't have mm-hmm. any like safety net. I ha-. You, but that is something that even if you try and turn it off is really in your subconscious, like in the back of your mind, it's like always weighing on you. Right. So you, you'll have a different attitude with, with money. My guess is longer term. Mm-hmm. And it might even, I think it'll probably help you longer term. I appreciate that. I think that I'm hopeful about that too. I mean, one thing that I've thought about is like, well, now I have, before I was really afraid to kind of make any changes to my career because I'm like, oh, I'm in such a good position. Mm -hmm. And after this, I've really been reevaluating of like, do I even want to be in this industry anymore? I'd rather do something a little more creative. So it's a little easier to consider making a big career shift like that when you feel like you're not quite, quite so on the up and up with like your financial situation. You know what I mean? Like I'm not so married to this idea of like, Oh, I have to permission to say, I'm going to make a change. Right. You're not sacrificing the finances part. Exactly. Exactly. So I think maybe obviously time heals so many things. And as you get farther away from this experience, it'll be easier to look back and be like, these are the things that I got out of it. Although Mm -hmm. going through those hard, uncomfortable times, it's never fun in the moment. I, I do think it'll change your perspective and your relationship a bit with money. And then maybe it does make you or helps you give yourself permission to make a career change. Yeah. I, I, I think that you're totally right about that. And also just maybe to live life more on my terms because I did actually, you know, decide, I, I don't think I would have decided to buy my tiny home um, in my previous financial circumstances, but now it's really important to me to be able to live a lifestyle that's more aligned with my values Mm-hmm. And, um, and that kind of helped me make this decision, even though I wasn't in a position to just like, you know, buy it outright, you know? Absolutely. So this is the fun fact. So you purchased a tiny home. I did. Yeah. It's, um, it's not the tiniest tiny home. It's actually 399 square feet. So it's a, it's a pretty good sized tiny home. So it's like a um, near apartment. Exactly. That's what I've told people. Cause they were like, it's so small. And I was like for Texas, not for New York when I was living in New York. <laughs> 
That was like the size of my, I had a, um, a studio apartment that was like 450 square feet or maybe 500. So it's, it's, uh, you know, a big part of the reason I wanted to buy it was because I'm really, you know, personally invested in just kind of like having a low footprint, ecologically speaking, and like trying to kind of minimize a little bit. And also, um, I wanted to be able to have something that was mine, to own something that was mine that was like right-sized with my income and what I could actually afford. And three-bedroom homes in Austin are pretty expensive. Like to to buy a first home in Austin, you have to be willing to spend at least 350K. Um, I just wasn't in a position to do that, you know? So give me the rundown on your finances. So how much was the home? So you have a, do you have a mortgage or... Yes. So uh, my finances as they stand, I mentioned the 80K, that's my salary currently, but um, I actually, the tiny home itself was 80K. And I actually have a mortgage, like a 15-year mortgage. Um, I have a a pretty good interest rate on it. It's like a a 6.0 interest rate um, that was based on, you know, credit score and all that. And I put down um, 20% as a down payment on it. So, and there's no early payoff penalty for me, which was a big thing. So that's huge. Yeah. I love principal payments. Them and Ross are my favorite thing. Nice. Nice. (laughs) So yeah. So if I win the lottery and come into some money, I can just pay it all off and no big deal. But, um, but it is a 15 year, uh, mortgage, which makes the monthly payments really affordable for me. Perfect. And 15 years of leanage, you'll pay the least amount of interest. Yes. That's, which is awesome because it's great. Yeah. So so that payment for me comes to $707 a month. So that's my actual mortgage payment. And then depending on where the tiny home is, uh, there also could be like a land rental payment, Okay, which is a little bit different than just like a typical kind of home ownership kind of deal. And right now the land that I'm renting to put the tiny home on is $500 a month. That's sort of my total like for my house in terms of mortgage plus the land rental. No, you have insurance. I do have insurance. I have like homeowners insurance, but um, yearly that comes to about six hundred dollars for the year, so it's pretty negligible. Yeah. Okay. Um, Yeah, which is awesome. And there's no obviously no property taxes on a tiny home. I do have to pay sales tax, but that's kind of added into the overall cost, and you know, with within the terms of the mortgage, so I didn't have to pay that up front. That's great. And so it's on it's on wheels, so you can move your house. You can take your house with you if you decide to. Yes. Yes, totally. And it's um, it's around $1,500 to move it. So it's really not that expensive. It's just, you know. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty great. I think the the benefits of tiny home living are really awesome, but I do think that it's very non-traditional. And so some people kind of get nervous, at least from an investment perspective. It really is more like buying an RV than it is like an actual home because it depreciates, obviously, rather than, you know, appreciating. appreciating. But there are some ways that you can, you know, other ways you can make money from it. Like we can uh, Airbnb them out. We can, you know, rent them out. Like if I decide I want to move into a larger house, I can rent this one out and I can put it in the back of my larger house if I buy some property and rent it out. So it does have some other possibilities. I think it's so neat. I think it's really neat to think that like you could just take it with you. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, it's awesome. And it does kind of match with my, um, you know, I work partly remote. And so it's kind of nice to think that like, if I wanted to move somewhere else, I could take my house and my job with me. (laughs) (laughs) I just want to think of that visualization, like people like traditionally packing and you being like, I just need to get this my house, you know, and I'll just meet my house there. Totally. Just, just hitch it up. 
So it's it's really nice to have that feeling because I was also a little bit commitment phobic about buying a home in Austin and just thinking like, oh, is this where I'm really going to be for the next 30 years? I'm not sure. So it's less of a commitment for me and that felt easier to do. Yeah, that's great. Because and, and what were you paying in rent before? Before I was paying around $1,450 for rent. So this is definitely um, a reduction. Yeah, for me, it's a, yeah, it's like a couple hundred bucks. Yeah, it seemed like this would be cheaper than renting. Totally. And the biggest thing for me that I think is interesting is that my utilities and internet and gas and water and all of that used to come to around $200 a month. And now I only pay $17 for all of them. So last month it was like $17 for everything. Yeah. And that was was water and electricity and, you know, um, it's all, you know, it's all wrapped up in there. So and it's July here, so that's going to be the height of my usage. So that was really awesome. <laughs> wow, that is really, really low. I was not expecting – I was thinking like $100 for utilities, like maybe half. Yeah, it's super low. I mean, the property that I'm on right now, the rent include that $500 includes internet because they have um, fiber optics, so that's already included. And then uh, – an expensive thing. Right. And then my, um, you know, the water usage and the electricity and the gas is just so minimal because everything in the tiny home is super duper efficient. Not to mention that air conditioning 400 square feet is like nothing, takes no time at all, (laughs) you know? And we have those little um, like uh, European wall units, not like a window unit, but like a wall unit. So they're super efficient and they're brand new. Yeah. They're like a high low. I think they're called high low units. They're like little white things on top of the wall and they can do heat and um, air conditioning. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And so those are super efficient. They're new. So, um, you know, another, aside from just, you know, paying less than I did in rent, I also pay a significant amount less than I did for utilities. That's awesome. Okay. So let's say, so what do you bring in, what are you bringing in net monthly about? So net monthly looks like it's about five, $5,600. Okay. And then you're spending... We'll just say what twelve fifty or so with utilities and the land rental insurance and your mortgage. Mm-hmm, correct. Okay, and then what other other bills do you have? Kind of expenses. Well, yeah. one of my big ones, unfortunately, is well, it's not that big, but um, I pay a lot for gas because I'm driving to uh, work in San Antonio and I go about one day a week, which is about a two hour drive. So. Okay. In any given month, I can spend around 150, 200 bucks in gas. Okay. Um, um, and I have other sort of basic kind of things like, you know, there's my mobile phone bill, which is around $115. Let's see what else. I have some other kind of like personal self-care kind of things. Like I see a therapist who's out of network. So that actually winds up costing me about $400 a month. Okay. And then I have a uh, trainer that I work with for I'm rehabilitating some injuries. So that actually winds up being pretty expensive around like 500 bucks a month. I'd say those are my pretty major expenses on a monthly basis. And I also have a pretty, oh, this is one thing we didn't talk about. I have a pretty hefty credit card payment. Yeah. Yeah. So right now I'm carrying around $11,000 in credit card debt for my unemployment. Okay. So I typically try and pay somewhere between uh, seven hundred to twelve hundred dollars a month to get that credit card down as quickly as possible. Oh, that's a great payment. Okay, so I'm really trying to like focus the majority, um, you know, of my kind of take home on doing that, and then also rebuilding my Emergency. savings. So, what yeah. do, you, do you have anything in savings now? Or are you have, or are you just focusing on the credit card? 
No, I actually do have um, around $14,000 in savings right now. And I obviously just took a big chunk out of that to put the down payment on the tiny home. Mm -hmm. So that's a little lower than I would like. But I have been doing this thing where I've been very like splitting kind of my income and doing like some towards my credit card and some towards my savings rather than paying off my credit card all at once because my credit card payment, it's all 0% APR cards right now. Ask you if it was 0%. Yes, yes. And those are all 0% until I think um, 2021. So I have like, you know, 18 months or so to kind of take care of that. Perfect. So then every Um, time you make, like, so if you make a $1,000 payment, you lower it by $1,000. Yes, correct. And I work really, really hard not to put anything on those cards because I'm, you know, obviously trying to pay that down. Um, I would say I'm like pretty okay at that, but sometimes I do wind up putting things on the card. That's um, okay. You have, you have a buffer. It's not like you have to do it in exactly 12 months. So you have 18. So you have a little bit of a, a buffer there. Right. So I'm trying really. And then, you know, putting the money in savings, like building my savings back up for me is more peace of mind because I am, you know, afraid of getting laid off again. So if this company goes under that I do have a little bit of something liquid that yeah. I can. Rather you know, than, yeah. yeah, that makes total sense. Because I was going to say, as long as there's 0% APR, you have the money that you could pay it off, but you're taking advantage of the 0% in order to give yourself the peace of mind. Right. So you have that cash on hand. Right. And that's very helpful because my, um, you know, just my monthly take home is a lot less than I'm kind of, I guess, would say used to. It's more than being unemployed, but <laughs> it's less than. Um, and then the kind of the other two um, assets that I have is that I have a, a 401k that after dipping into it has around 23k in it right now. Um, and that's kind of just sitting there. It's from like two or three jobs ago and I sort of don't know what to do with it. It's kind of still sitting there with their, um, you know, it's, it's, I haven't done anything with it. Okay. Um, and then I have a very small uh, Roth IRA, which is a at around $1,200 that I'm also not doing anything with. <laughs> so I do love the Roth IRA. Yeah. So it's it's kind of there for me to do something with if I want. But of course, I haven't been. Perfect. And, and then, then you know, you get retired because it's a startup. So I'm not sure if they even have it. But do they have a retirement? No, it's such a bummer too, because my last two or three jobs have all been startups and they haven't offered any retirement. So I'm missing out on the, not only that opportunity, but also the matching and anything else that could go along with that. So that's kind of a bummer. That is a bummer. So, what, okay, so let's just see. Do you have any wiggle room? I just want to see what you if you have any wiggle room in your budget. I like the idea of you making, even if you just did $1,000 a month towards a credit card, you'd have it done in 11 months. Yeah, yeah. And that's, um, you know, in general with my budget, I, I tend to like focus on the things that I mentioned first and then everything else kind of fits in whatever the remainder is. So there's, you know, groceries and, you know, kind of, any, any other things that I might potentially need in there, but I do, I don't tend to spend a lot of money on like, I guess other than groceries, we'll call them like, you know, wants, not needs. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Cause I'm trying to see here. So based on that, it looks like you probably have about 2000 a month after mm-hmm. everything for like food and, you know, whatever other spending you have. Right. How would you feel? I like I love the idea of doing the thousand dollars a month towards the zero percent APR card, and then you're obviously taking some of that two thousand and putting it towards the emergency fund because that's at fourteen thousand. So, right, you're doing like a thousand dollars a month towards that. Do you know? 
Um, I'm trying to, it's been more like, it's been more variable. It'll, some months it'll be 600, some months right. it'll be more like 900, but I have a couple, um, I have an emergency fund that's the, you know, $14,000, but I'm also, I have a couple of other, um, savings accounts that I use. Like I have one that's just for non-monthly expenses, meaning I try and put some money in it every month in case like my car needs four new tires, yeah. that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I have, a little money that I put into that as well. I p- try and put like a couple hundred into that every month too. So yeah, it'll usually wind up being around anywhere from like 600 to a thousand that I try and put in savings. Yeah. So it seems like, so I'm kind of wondering, I understand your your desire to get the emergency back, back up just because with the job, it's not as secure. Yeah. Yeah. But I think what would be good maybe is like a next step once the, maybe once the credit card is paid off is maybe taking that money and using that part of that to do a Roth to fund a Roth. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. This is very interesting to me. So I know very little about Roth IRAs. I knew enough to open one up, but then I obviously haven't been adding money to it. So. Hey, that's the first step. That's the first step. Because I do agree with you that I think, you know, if you put the money in the Roth, you can take back out um, typically what you put in um, Mm -hmm. without penalty, but you know, it is meant to be a retirement account. So you don't really want to be taking out of it. So I like the idea of you, bulking up your emergency fund. And then maybe once the credit card is done, which if you're just doing it, even a thousand dollars a month towards that, um, you get that done in 11 or 12 months and then maybe split the difference. So take, if you're going to still allocate that thousand, maybe do 500 towards the Roth IRA and then the other 500 towards cash. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. You have the same budget then going forward. We're not you know, not stealing money out of your budget. So your, your lifestyle, everything stays the same. It's just how you're allocating the funds going forward. Right. Okay. And the reason I would say the Roth right now is because you're used, this is a lower income than you're used to. Mm-hmm. And so I do think since you're already paying off the credit card, it's in your budget. So it's already, you're already used to having it after tax. Right. So you could manage it. You get, a, obviously you get a tax break, when you do, you would have to do a traditional IRA because um, okay. since you don't have anything available to you at work, your option would be to do a traditional IRA or the Roth IRA. And I would I would err on the side of doing the Roth IRA, given that your profession, it is likely or possible that you go back up to a higher income. Got it. And at which point you might not be eligible to do the Roth IRA at that point. Interesting. Okay. So I forgot that Roths have, so there's a contribution limit, right? Yep, there's per a year. contribution limit. And so currently it is at 6,000 for the year. So that would be the $500 a month. Okay, perfect. And that would get you to 600. So you'd max it out, but then also income okay. limitations besides um, the contribution limitations. So, okay. Got it. That's why I would lean towards doing that because is it, you file single, right? Yes, I do. Okay. So your phase out as of now, meaning that you wouldn't be eligible to do the full amount would start at 122,000. Okay. Got yeah. it. And, and then got you it. would become fully, you would be ineligible at one at 137, I believe for 2019. Okay. 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 That's great to know. Gosh, that's super helpful. Okay. I did not even yeah, think so about I would that. do that now while, so take, so obviously it's not your best case scenario. Like you're making more money and you're in a better situation, but we can take advantage of these situations when you're in the lower income, right? So an advantage to you is even though you're making less money than you'd like to, you have the Roth IRA fully available to you when you, you wouldn't have if you were making 130. Yeah, totally. Okay. Awesome. That's a great, 
That's a great thing to find out. And so here's another thing. If you wanted to, just because you have the credit card till 2021, which is really two years out, you could even, if you're comfortable with it, and it's really up to you, but you could even lower your credit card payment to $500 a month now and just have it take you, you know, 20, 20 months rather than 11 months, right? Mm-hmm. And do right. now and split the difference so that you get two tax. Yeah, that's a great idea, actually, because that feels like a little bit like I'm checking making some progress. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes, for sure. Because I feel like the thing that causes me a lot of anxiety, um, aside from just like potentially getting laid off and losing income again, is the idea that I'm not ac- actively contributing to my retirement right now. Yeah, I would maybe do that. I figure out what because you I, sounds you obviously have a good head on your shoulders, but I would find out what the exact month is that the with a zero percent runs out in twenty twenty one, and just you know mm-hmm. I would give yourself a two to three month buffer to get it done ahead of that time, and then figure okay. out what you need to make your monthly payment, and then I would split the difference with the Roth. So whatever you need to do to get the credit card paid off, any of the excess then goes towards the Roth. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, that's exciting. Yeah, so even if- that's even if it's not 500, even at 400, you're still getting close to maxing out. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Okay, great. Fantastic. Yeah, it's very And I love the Roth IRA. And I think that I my guess is you're probably going to go back into a high income bracket at some point. And then this way you were able to fund the Roth while you was not when when you had eligibility. Um, and then when you make more money, those yeah. you know, different strategies for that. But then this is a strategy to to take advantage of the, the current situation. Yeah, totally. Okay, fantastic. Yeah, because even let's just say we'll just say next year because we're halfway through the year, you get to the full 6,000 contribution. We'll just say you're still making 80,000. It gets you to like almost an 8% contribution rate for retirement. Nice. Yeah. Right. So nice. not, not bad. Not nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> so yeah. So then you are checking all the boxes. You're paying down debt. You have a home, really cool home. Um, Thank you. You're paying, for the, you're paying into retirement, you know, Obviously, I'd like to get you closer to 10, 15, but like it's much better to be at eight than at nothing, right? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, so that's what I would do. Okay, awesome. That's super exciting. I think definitely one of the lessons for me in all this has been like focus kind of on incremental improvements and like um, even if it's, you know, just a little bit, a little bit is better than none. So, 100% because you have compounding of interest on on your side. So, it's always better like slow and steady and then. Mm -hmm you know, do what you can in the moment. And then you can always, you know, as you make more money in the future, you get a different job and you can adjust it at that point. But yeah, doing something small is better than doing nothing for sure. Yes. Okay. Awesome. Oh, that's so exciting. Thank you for that. No, you just want to check two things on the Roth. You want to make sure one, that it's invested. Okay. You don't want it to be sitting in cash because it's meant for your retirement. So we have a long time before you're going to take it out ideally. Um, Because sometimes... And we're going to have Erin Lowry on the show um, as one of our experts, but she, I think her phrase is really interesting. It's called investing for retirement, not saving for retirement. Uh huh. Meaning that you want the money invested in something, not cash. Right. Totally makes sense. So yeah, you want to just check and make sure that you're invested in something. And then you also want to make sure that you have a beneficiary on both the Roth and the 401k. Okay. Got it. Just God forbid something happens to you, which most likely will not, but then that way it's set, they're set up the right way. Yes, totally makes sense. Well, that is super helpful. I feel like there's some um, like forward momentum in that for me. Good, very good. So, um, so, any other? Do you have any other questions? 
Um, I don't think so. I think that my kind of plan now for the next, like, let's say year and a half is kind of set up. Like if my financial situation doesn't change at all, I feel like I have kind of some clarity on that, but hopefully um, I might get another job in the near future. Yeah. And hopefully they have retirement. Yes. Yes. That's one of the worst things about, I think, um, the tech industry around, especially around like startups and stuff is that they just don't offer very many benefits and the kind of benefits that I think that a lot of people would feel like we're sort of, you know, bread and butter, yeah. like you need medical benefits, mm-hmm. you need a 401k, those are just kind of standard. Um, they tend to focus on the other benefits of like, oh, but we have ping pong tables and beer in the office and stuff like that. And it's like, who cares? Yeah, <laughs> who cares? Seriously, um, we just, we ha- we're airing another episode that um, hasn't come out yet, but she ended up, ha- she had health benefits, which she thought were good and she found out they were bad. And she ended up with a ton of debt, even though she did technically have medical coverage. Yeah. So I agree. It's really fun and alluring when you get like a beer pong table and beer on God, God forbid you get sick, you know? Yes, exactly. Yes. This is real life for adults now. Like I can buy a ping pong table if I really want one. You yeah, know, table is much cheaper than paying for like an emergency room visit. Yes, exactly. Exactly. I'm like 1500 ping pong tables. Yeah. <laughs> Move on for everybody. Exactly. Very good. Well, thanks for coming on the show. And I think that you said you were comfortable sharing some pictures of your tiny home with our. our yes, family. absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I love her. She's so cute. So I will totally send you some of those so that people could see what she looks like now. Yay. Okay. Wonderful. Well, I'll wrap this up for our listeners. So for all our lovely listeners, if you could rate us and review us on iTunes, that would be amazing. You can follow us on Instagram at Planantial, and you will then be able to check out some really cool pictures of this tiny home. And if you want to learn more about personal finance, you can check out our class, which we offer in partnership with SUNY Ulster at www.planantial.com. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.